Oh, sorry, y'all. You cut out there for a second, but uh, the last thing yeah. that we heard was... And then uh, we moved to. And then we moved to. <laughs> oh, and then, yeah, we moved into, like, a typical product design kind of approach. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, like, I have a background in industrial design. Um, so there's a lot of things that, you know, I have questions on. Um, but the probably the most significant question I would have is, like, bringing all those stakeholders together is pretty difficult i mean unless you as the founder know cad you know like manufacturing uh vendors like overseas how did you coordinate all these designers it's extremely complicated um you know what i i started uh you know by going back to the designer of my previous company um casita and, you know, I met the uh, founder of SolidWorks, which any industrial oh, yeah. designer will be very familiar and told them that we had designed this full home in SolidWorks. And he, he said that was the first time that anyone had done that, Sick. right? And so we also designed Jupe uh, within SolidWorks um, uh, as well with some of the same designers, because the idea was, right, you could get a mass manufacturable product the same way that, you know, you might design an iPhone or a pair of glasses or a pen or the other things that you use SolidWorks for. So I said, we're not gonna use all these architectural programs. I'm not even gonna hire an architect. We've never had an architect that worked at Juke. I'm gonna hire industrial designers and product designers. So. Uh, the guy that actually is the, the, the main designer on the Juke um, had a big part in designing the Cybertruck and the Cyber ATV. Uh, he actually patented the solar roof tiles. He's designed chocolate bars, cool. all sorts of stuff. And so I wanted uh, someone coming out of uh, that space to design this. And the first engineer we had uh, was actually a structures engineer and the guy that built the prototype for the Starship, right? So if you ever saw that little star hopper, the first one that did yeah, this, yeah. the guy that was the lead designer or engineer on that, we built the first jupe in his garage. So, um, you know, I'm trying to pull not from the traditional space of making shelter or, you know, apartment buildings or ADUs or even, you know, uh, trailers. I'm trying to get folks from uh, the places where they're solving some of these really hard problems. We, we always say this uh, to our clients when they're asking for someone, you know, in a specific field or experience that, Design is more or less like industry agnostic, uh, unless you're unless it's like for a defense contractor, legal, fintech, yeah. medical, like yeah, you probably want some like background experience. But just hearing, you know, your lead designers worked on the Jupe, Cybertruck, Chocolate Bar. Those are not in the same industry. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Like nice to have chocolate bar design yeah. <laughs> in the well, JD. We we also we shouldn't forget that the marshmallow and Hershey and the Hershey bars are beautiful examples. Of oh, the gorgeous! Design. Like the design yeah. is gorgeous. And right? graham crackers. Like a marshmallow, <laughs> man. How function like? How right? crazy is a marshmallow? Yeah. yeah. Who came up with that shit? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we need to somehow use the inspiration of a marshmallow 
right for our next like housing project i think we can go somewhere with this guys no that. there's there's yeah. definitely something there well jeff like you're i don't know you just dropped a whole bunch of knowledge it makes me wonder like uh do you consider yourself a designer do you have a design background no um you know i've always had a real appreciation for i think simplicity simplistic um, you know, I'm a, I, I, I literally have this outfit that I'm wearing because it's laundry day and the jumpsuit that you met me in. I, I literally Dude. have, I have one jumpsuit. Iconic jumpsuit. That I wore, I think I track it like 328 days between Burning Man's. That same jumpsuit. And so jumpsuits are very functional. They're non-bifurcated, right? It's one piece of clothing, uh, you know, and I just love the design of, and the ideal, right, of, of one piece of clothing you can wear every day. And, that, and in fact, my dad just made a comment like, son, you know, where's the jumpsuit? <laughs> You're like, it's laundry uh, day. Because he hasn't seen me uh, not in one in, in, in some time. Um, so, uh, I don't really, you know, I the, the way I got into this whole space is just uh, is, is pretty strange. I, I was an environmental science professor and a dean. Um, and uh, after getting, I guess, sort of bored with at least the research side of that, I convinced the university to, uh, as part of an educational experiment, let me uh, move into a dumpster for an entire year. So, um, you know, was, I, it, was this a dumpster on campus? It was on campus behind the dorms. I, I heard you, you got I a name Professor actually, Dumpster. Yeah, that's that, where right? I got my name, Professor Dumpster. Can we share a screen here? Yeah, I think we can. Yeah, yeah you should be able let's, to. Let's share a screen here. Um, so this was, will this record, I guess, as well? It will. Yeah. It will, yeah. yeah. So this was my dumpster the first night. Um, I sold everything I owned for a dollar an item trying to just get down to the very basics core, right? Um, people would throw trash in there that, you know, when, when they didn't know it was actually my home. You can see like my hat and stuff what? in the base. That's the oh, actual go, dumpster. Go back, go back to that. This? That's that's well designed. So these yeah. are your compartment storage? Like Yeah, this is in like, this is where I really started to get interested in space. And, you know, yeah. when you have a certain constraint put on you like, you know, hey, you've only got 33 square feet and eight cubic yards uh, for all your stuff and your living, right? You begin to think pretty carefully about every, literally like every cubic centimeter of this space, totally. right? And so I actually took a lot of inspiration from the dumpster and incorporated it into uh, both Casita and Jupe. There are a lot of there's storage like this in the floor in the Jupe. So it allows you to have this kind of Zen plane, right? Yeah. Yet have your stuff. So uh, yeah, I lived in this for a year. There was a point where uh, the trash dumps or the trash trucks came for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, all kinds of other perils of living in dumpsters. So in the end, I, you know, tricked it out and that's what it looked like. Sort Wait, of it doesn't, at the end it doesn't of the even look like it for, for anyone that is listening on anchor, Spotify, Apple, whatever you need to stop and 
watch the YouTube you got to go to YouTube. Yeah, yeah uh, if you just yeah. Google, like, Professor Dumpster, or there's a good Atlantic piece. Like, people just started showing up when I did this, right? I saw it, no sort of attention for it, but... Um, yeah, that's, I also played this character called Professor Dumpster. I got all my water out of Lake Austin for the first six months. And so here I'm like showing this kid how I filtered my water. You know, there was this, uh, I would go to kids' schools and say, you know, I live in this symbol of waste. What does Professor Dumpster need in his house, uh, to be happy? This kid won the all-time prize of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> A disco this, ball. This kid a probably wife. got canceled at one point, but yeah, he said I needed a dumpster wife <laughs> and a disco ball and, you know, a sink. The kid's thinking about design. He's got a false floor in here, some curtains. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all Professor Dumpster needs to uh, have a happy life. And um, so how, go on. Oh no, that that's that's kind of the end of it there. Well, yeah. so so how, how long were you in there? Uh, one year. One. For any Doctor wow. Who uh, fans, I had a uh, thing saying it's bigger on the inside. Uh, a <laughs> wow. Tardis there. Um, you you so, so, yeah, I was in yeah. there a year and, you know, I I learned a lot about small space design. I learned a lot about coding and zone, right? Because this thing was completely illegal. The city would come around sort of telling me it wasn't a livable like unit or I couldn't put it there or there. I found places I actually could put it, um, that there were no laws. And the ability to just get up and move quickly is something I incorporated into Juke. It almost sounds like, that, I mean, to get up and move quickly uh, can be a mantra for most startups, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, I want to go back to this word constraints mm -hmm. um, because I think a lot of startups, they don't work within constraints and um, it's a little bit misguided. And I want to get your thought. I, 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 the reason why I think it's misguided is because their intentions are good where they're saying like let's not be constrained let's like you know let's blue sky think let's 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 take it to the moon but what does constraints in your opinion do for a startup well i think the equation uh is you know it, it, it there, there's a time plus constraints right or you know i guess it's a an an, an inverse relationship with time, right? If you can shorten the length and a length of time, right, that is necessary to do something and increase the constraints that are sort of correct, I think that's when you can get something pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, now, time is, is generally kind of set by your burn and your funding and runway, right? But the whole team's not often uh, aware of that. And then, you know, constraints, a lot of it is actually figured out by just iterations and, and, and failure, right? Like my last startup, um, I did not have a lot of these shipping constraints on there and I didn't have cost constraints. And I actually made a mistake with this first Jupe as well. You know, it was not even a Tesla Roadster. It was like a Lambo right? It was way too expensive. So on this next iteration for this disaster relief, um, you know, we're designing around uh, very strictly around cost as well. And um, our, on, on the subject of designing around cost, you know, some of the places where Harris and I oftentimes find ourselves drawing inspiration um, is 
is in the industrial design in Adam's world around successful examples, right, of, of uh, design projects um, that have designed within cost. Um, obviously, in America, Target comes to mind. Um, uh, in, in Japan, Uniqlo and Muji come to mind. Um, uh, Scandinavia, Ikea, you know, number one consumer of uh, timber in the world. Yeah, uh, OG nonprofit. Yeah. Um, uh, where, did, where did you seek inspiration for designing within cost for Jupe? Like, what are examples mm. that, that really, like, inspired you? Well, I mean, frankly, I did not uh, seek enough of those. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Jupe initially, this initial product is, you know, the glamping products way too expensive. Right. I think, you know, rather than um, specific products where I was trying to design around cost. I mean, there are a few little products I just absolutely uh, love. Um, you know, uh, one of them are uh, those uh, Italian, I guess, what are they called? But uh, the, the aluminum coffee. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, those things are so simple. They need no filters. Yeah, they, yeah. The, the design has lasted forever. In I, every I, ID class. I used every... one this morning. <laughs> the, See, I the... didn't go to design school, but I... I, I and I'm also just... Um, and I guess this means more now in the AI era, but I've always just been fascinated by paper clips, right? And just the yeah. simplicity of that design, you know, it's one wire, a couple of bins, and it can do some pretty incredible things, um, including, I guess, oh. if the paper in the paperclip maximizer scenario, it can uh, turn the entire galaxy into paperclips. Um, <laughs> if you've heard that, if not, Google, Google, uh, paperclip maximizer. It's a, I guess, AI, uh, yeah. safety. Thing. Wow. And so did you, did you like, uh, in this new iteration of Jupe, did you draw any explicit inspiration from paperclip design or, or any of these others into what it is now? You know, um, I, I think we drew, uh, there was, there was some inspiration from, you know, kind of the, the, the almost a jewel, right? Uh, how the Cybertruck is sort of has all of those planes on it. When you look at the Jupe, you'll see something sort of similar to that. I mean, frankly, I, I think the philosophy that I'm now enforcing, you know, on this, on this second iteration of it is going to be just trying to get to as few parts as possible, mm. right? Like Always we were, bet. we were trying to solve, uh, to get away, like from as much labor to outsource things, uh, you know, the, the jupes as they are, are sort of like Ikea furniture. Speaking of Ikea furniture, they are CNC'd and then kind of put together in an engineered, like a rigid way, um, such that we don't have, uh, a lot of different materials, but there's still way too many parts. And and have you found that as you uh, reduce the number of parts involved, uh, does that have the predicted effect of making uh, assembly easier or lowering lowering the skill threshold for assembly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I I think we're gonna move from about uh, I don't know 224 parts in the current chassis, which I, I can go back to why we call it that as well. Um, uh, to, I, I think we can get this down to one part, basically a stamped mold, right? A kind of tub, 
that can achieve a very similar sort of uh, thing. Is it like now, a polyplastic or? How, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, it'll be a polyplastic. Um, I mean, one part for the kind of, you know, maybe not all 224 of those down to one, but I, that, 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 the, 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 <laughs> that's what I told the engineer that I wanted to see. And his eyes rolled back in his head. I was like, I think you can get it to one. <laughs> um, so the, the, the chassis part of this, uh, that I brought up really what inspired, uh, Jupe, you know, was seeing this, uh, this skate, you know, what Rivian calls their Rivian, skateboard yeah. chassis. Yeah. And so the idea here, right, is that you can uh, have this one chassis, which is not a new idea, um, and change out motors, batteries, and sort of configure it in different ways. And then you can put a truck on top, right, a sedan, uh, you know, a van, these kind of different things. And so the idea is if we could build this chassis that, w that had all these interchangeable kind of parts and modules, we called mm. it intramodular. Um, then, uh, you know, you could do some pretty interesting things and I'm not sure if I have, yeah, we could begin to do things like this, right. With the same chassis where we can turn it into a garden or a bathroom, right. Uh, uh different kinds of shelters or even hard tops, and then eventually turn those chassis into big batteries, right. Um, water tanks, gray, black, and fresh water tanks. So if we've got that unit, right, that chassis that we can move around and stack very efficiently, now we can use that volume for basically everything you would need uh, to have a, uh, a mobile city, a mobile town, right? All the it, infrastructure would be, become decoupled from the grid. It almost, you know, looking at this reminds me of two things. One, Joe Gebbia's ADU startup, yep. which is just so sexy. Um, and then the second is how NASA packages up. There's this great documentary. I think it's on Netflix or HBO, but it follows the, or no, sorry. It's on uh, Disney, Disney Plus uh, mm. under Nat Geo. But they follow the, 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 uh, the, uh, the James Webb telescope mm. and how much they had to pack into tiny containers mm. and when you're when you're able to do that it, it just goes back to like yeah what you were saying like shipping air people don't really think about the industrial design behind shipping but the shipping influences the design so much and i i wonder like it could you comment on how maybe that might relate to startups you know when they're thinking about launching an mvp hmm Go into that a little bit more. Um, like, yeah, could you could you reframe that a little bit? How do you not ship vaporware? You know, how do you ship some like right now? The air that's being shipped today, I mm -hmm. think, is probably like text to anything built on top of OpenAI's API, right? Yeah. Whereas you know, out of that selected bunch, probably the only useful tool or the only useful software is uh chat gpt itself or jasper ai uh -huh. right that is kind of refining the foundational technology and yeah. i think that there's a lot of companies out there right now that are just um shipping air that's a great <laughs> you know? yeah i think maybe i we should we should have another podcast called just shipping air 
where yeah. you look at <laughs> um yeah so this idea like as a metaphor when i was said shipping air i literally meant volumes of air yeah right yeah. wait you you meant like volumes of air as in like literally like we're shipping like a liter of like exactly empty but space. i love this metaphor we should roll with this as a conversation of shipping I, air right because you, yeah, yeah be, be, because like this is a thing i literally you know renders and now with ai right have gotten so fucking good yeah. I mean, even for industrial designers, a few times I've had to like, I can zoom all the way and I've had to send, you know, uh, more and more often I, I'll see something and have to send it to one of the industrial designers and say, bro, I, you know, I can't tell if this is a render or not. And so uh, yeah. very specifically, <laughs> and it's going to get that way with video as well. There's all this vaporware out there, particularly in housing because it's such a hard thing to uh you know build something the size of a house that someone could actually live in and then deploy um that i just put on you know i i say this is a render or this is an actual photo on most of our stuff because you just can't tell a lot of times if something's real there's a lot of air that you know as you put it that shipped out there vapor air yeah. Vapor air. Yeah. Not vapor wear, but vapor air. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 this, this whole topic just reminds me of uh, some Steve Jobs lore. Uh, who knows if it's real, but um, there's this famous there's this famous scene where uh, two of his designers and engineers come into his room. Mr. Jobs, we got we got it. Like, here's the here's the here's the iPhone. And he's like, oh, we can't make it any smaller. Nope. Mr. Jobs, this is this is the best that it's gonna get. And he just walks over to his fish tank and just drops it in and watches all the bubbles. And yeah. He's like, yeah, I heard this bubbles? story. Yeah. That's air. <laughs> That's room Make for iteration. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what what happens like let's press fast forward a little bit. Where is Jupe now today? And how'd you get there? So um Jupe right now, we've made about two hundred and fifty units. Um, we're, you know, call it a couple, two, two and a half years old. We went through Y Combinator, uh, you know, uh, the, how, I guess a year or so after you guys did. Um, and, uh, you know, we're in the midst of a full turning the ship pivot, right? The brand was set up to be around outdoor hospitality, glamping, right? We always had this bigger mission of wanting to go after the like 1.6 billion folks that are unhoused or that aren't adequately housed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've just sent out in the last 24 hours a, uh, as you do, an update to my investors, the first one in a few months, uh, that said, FYI, everyone, uh, we are pivoting the entire company. So we're stopping manufacturing. Uh, we're ordering no more parts on these existing jupes. I built one prototype. We've actually designed, we've done all the industrial design and engineering. Actually, our main engineer was, I believe, the main engineer on that project of Joe Gebbias. So he's really? come oh, over funny. to Jupe uh, since. And that project has a very interesting background. It looks oh. sick. Um, it is sick, but like 
it made a lot of people sick on the way uh, getting to what they have, <laughs> including they spun it all the way out of Airbnb. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's pretty exacting standards on that team. <laughs> like when when did you know it was time to pivot? Like, is there is there like a, a landmark event? I mean, obviously, we read your um, and for anyone that doesn't know uh book faces uh like almost like an internal facebook for yc founders and um he was uh he he wrote basically this uh this post um got a lot of did you post it publicly no i haven't posted it publicly yeah it was just and 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 for you that was something that was quite vulnerable i mean are you willing to get into some of that vulnerability yeah absolutely i mean anybody that's lived in a dumpster is certainly uh (laughs) exposed his vulnerable side uh <laughs> um yeah i mean look um the glamping thing was working okay but it wasn't working great right um how'd you make that distinction between okay yeah well you know they say like yc i mean we're all drinking the yc kool-aid here still but like uh, orange i'll juice. continue <laughs> yeah orange juice <laughs> Mine was spiked by someone. Um, So, uh, you know, this idea of like real product market fit, right? It doesn't like, it's not okay. It is like when you are absolutely just swamped and trying to tread water under a waterfall, right? Like, um, and, you know, we never got to that it's only a three billion dollar market glamping you know relative to this market it's at least 300 billion right so that was part of it and then you know when the hawaii stuff happened um i think i wrote in this post that uh, another founder in this space that had a housing startup called rent the backyard Right. Um, I don't know if he was in y'all's batch or what, but he just texted me and said, hey, you know, could you get those jupes over to Hawaii? And that was really the moment where, you know, I woke up the next morning and said, "Okay, well, we're we're just going to do this. Right. Even if it kills us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, speaking of orange juice, you know, like uh, Michael Seibel often talks about how, like, you know, that you have a solution that people need on their hands if um they're coming to you and their hair's on fire and you're like cinder blocks cinder blocks come get your cinder blocks yeah. and they're like oh my god a fire extinguisher and you're like no it's a, you know, like that's bad for your head and they like they just start like banging their their head against you know your cinder block because their hair's on fire yeah, <laughs> yeah well no it's, it's literally it. and, and that this sounds one, though, very I, much like a michael seibel uh, uh <laughs> yeah. anecdote yeah yeah sort of like uh pain and fire and, and stuff but like that's his um, vibe but sure. like yeah in this case literally there were like uh, fires raging in Hawaii, right? Yeah. Um, and and you guys like had this thing that was a credible candidate for the job to be done, yeah. right? Which is like people have lost their shelter. Um. So tell us about tell us about your experience, like you know, getting Jupe out to Hawaii. Like what was that like? Well, look, we're still learning right now things by trying to ship those. Um. Hmm. That. Uh, we're going to incorporate into the product. In fact, we're just going to send uh, probably one 
set of these jupes uh, over there just to kind of learn for now how folks are using them, how they ship. So, you know, going back to design, these jupes that we have that we were gonna send, that we are sending to Hawaii that we're still struggling like with the port with getting them into container. They were designed to go onto a flatbed truck, right? Well, they won't fit in a container. They weren't designed to be narrow enough to go in a container. So we're having to turn them oh. on their sides. And we had to design a whole packaging system. I went and got some folks to volunteer from Rivian that, which is ironic, um, that we can fit nine of these clamping jupes into a container, but it's a very expensive kind of process. So the next one we're designing is designed to actually fit in a container. Then I'm not doing what I'm doing now is loading them on a truck in Texas, finding a warehouse somewhere in LA, building all the packaging, right? Getting them right. in there, getting them then on the boat. Had they just fit into 40 foot containers, you know, we could have had hundreds of them. Was this a consideration, like fitting into the shipping container? Was this something that you guys considered as a possible constraint to allow for, um, like in an earlier iteration of Jupe? No. Um, no, we hadn't. And the reason why was we were trying to maximize comfort, right, and reduce the mm. amount of air volume we were shipping. So when you go from eight and a half feet um, wide, which is what the jupes are now, to, you know, call it seven feet, 10 inches wide to fit in a container, that's a big difference. And I can tell you just like in the dumpster, I remember just adding like a couple of inches um, on adding some insulation at one point, taking uh, two inches from both sides. I eventually ended up taking the insulation out because it just reduced the, it, it was worth getting a little hot and cold just to have the extra space. go back because you had you had said that you were able to get some people over from Rivian to kind of help out with this. Agree and I have had our share of dark days when we're pivoting and it can be a really, really uh, dangerous spot, not only to like, you know, a founder psyche, but also to like the stakeholders and etc. How how did you find yourself inspiring the Rivian team to come over your own team to you know, to stay or like maybe a select few to stay and, you know, see this through with you. And then also like yourself, like, where did you find that from? Man, I mean, it's an insightful question that, you know, can only really come from someone that's been through that, you know, generally another founder. That's why it's great to be able to listen to you guys and you guys chat, right? Because um, a lot of times you can't even discuss these things with your team. So, yeah, so, you know, hard. starting with just from the outside, um, there's something very core to, um, to, to humans and to humanity and human nature that when you see others in extreme uh, pain or need, folks want to help, right? Um, and so it probably wasn't so much me, but just the state of the situation over there immediately. And a lot of folks, um, 
you know, knew Maui well, had been over there, volunteered. Uh, you know, it was a pretty close place to uh, Lahaina, to his, to his, to his heart. Um, and then, man, uh, just as founders going through this stuff, when times get tight, uh, it is, it's really hard. It's really hard. And frankly, uh, I don't think I could have even made it, you know, to, to today talking to you guys without uh, the other founders, a lot of them that I met in the batch um, and sort of sharing with them. Before I made that post, I shared it with two or three of, you know, founders from my batch that gave me yeah. some insights on it. And uh, that network that kind of social network of folks is really really important it's the only shoulders you can really cry on <laughs> it can it can get like quite emotional even when agree and i are thinking about you know our past and i remember uh just this overwhelming feeling of shame yeah. And and guilt and uh, comparison to others or maybe even people I like went to high school with that I don't even talk to. It's like, you know, wh where are they now? Where's everyone else now? Right. And um, I, I wonder, like, what were some of the emotions that you were going through? And yeah, well, still I am, bro. Like, we're not out of it. Like, I mean, hell yeah. Um, you know, just you know, being, um, you know, vulnerable and transparent. Like this was not a like, hey, investors, everything's amazing. We're pivoting because it's going to be fun. And, um, you know, it was like, guys, we need to fucking do this and, you know, figure it out. And it's serious, right? Um, it is, uh, it's just, it's, it's just a, it's a really, uh, really hard thing to go through. And there is, there's a lot of shame to it, right? Um, there is the feeling that you're letting folks down, right? Whether it's investors. But in this case, if you've got, you know, a mission like we do is I just think about those 110, 120 million folks that yeah. in some, you know, potential future... Um, in some corner of the multiverse and some, you know, non-zero probability that Jupe could solve problems for those folks. And I think it needs to exist in the world. Um, we're going to try our damn, uh, make that turn. But if we don't, I'll come back again. You know, yeah. I just don't think I can do anything else. And I'll tell you, um, one of the things, you know, people dog, they love to just hammer on Silicon Valley and San Francisco, right? And it's so easy now with, you know, cruise vehicles allegedly running over people and, you know, down at 7th and Market, the sort of fentanyl crisis. And these things are, you know, at least the latter one, these are big deals. But like, I will tell you one thing that isn't that, 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 Set, that sets San Francisco and the Bay Area and Silicon Valley apart from anywhere else in the world is that, uh, you know, failure is valued, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, it's almost better to have a super hard failure 
than it is just a very soft landing cold totally. death to the universe, right? And totally. a weird further than a sixteen Z and we work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um and and so that gives me a little bit of confidence. It doesn't say that it, it doesn't make me like want to fail, but it, it does uh, I think more than anyone where else. If I was in finance in New York, right? right. Or uh, you know, if I was building factories in uh, you know, Germany, uh, it, you know, it, it basically anywhere else in the world, they're not going to value failure. And what's great about Silicon Valley, you say, hey, you know what? I want to make another go at this. And people will say, oh, you failed last time. OK, you learned some things. Great. I'm going to give you uh, I want you to make your vision bigger and I'm going to give you money to try that. That's just totally. crazy. Nobody does that. Totally. And I mean, I think that this is this is one of the things I think about so often is like how um, how it feels like actually uh, like the idea of building a company is really like almost like the very last thing that's happening uh, when you look at Silicon Valley. It feels in in a lot of ways more like the company is kind of like a convenient accounting trick or like a convenient accounting construct that is a way of modeling what is effectively really just like a giant distributed science experiment. Absolutely. Right? That like, yeah, you're just like people get research budget uh, to do a mixture of basic science, yeah. applied science, microeconomics, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, if all those things interlock together, sociology, I think a lot of actually like go to market that works and is, is uniquely yeah. successful is effectively just sociologically insightful. It's it's not like, oh, like we got to get referral codes. <laughs> yeah, know, like and, and, and if you think about this, this is a great model. Like if you think about it, right, you know, science, the way that you generally go about science, right, um, you, you start with a null hypothesis, which is a complete failure of the experiment. This is really hard to, you know, teach when, when I was, you know, as a professor for a while, yeah, but yeah. like, to try to get it across to people that, no, we're going to start with, right, this null hypothesis, which is that everything's fucked up and nothing works, right? Yeah. And what we are trying to do is reject the null hypothesis to get this positive result. And if you think about Silicon Valley, the null hypothesis is that you are going to fail, right? 99. Right. So you are trying to reject the null hypothesis that you have failed. Right. Mm. And so in a lot of ways, that's a really interesting way to think about it as a big science experiment. And uh, I think that's what it is, you know, and I think that would be a really valuable like way to deal with this on a psychological level. When you can put yeah. when you can frame things as Jupe is a big experiment, not, you know, it's a wanting to be a trillion dollar market cap and you know what is the kager of this market and what's our you know lifetime value of a like right. you know it's like okay this is one big experiment you know the null hypothesis is that we will fail at this and we're trying to reject that right and actually get to right. success right and and i think that like um the way you're you've even described your various sort of swings at bat both with jupe and before jupe 
um, again, it seems like one common theme that like uh, I see through them is that one, it does not really look like the mission has changed, right? You're you're out to like crack this this question of why is it so hard to get people who don't have shelter shelter, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and it used to be called Casita, and now it's called Jupe again. And you have different working hypotheses as to like the why and and the solution. Um, and I mean, for us, for like us with Numi, you know, uh, I I used to, especially like even a year ago, I used to be like really kind of ashamed that we had spent like four years trying to make stuff happen uh, in Kenya when it came to like uh, e-commerce. And, and um, sometimes we got somewhere and then a lot of the times we didn't. Um, but the thing that was this like unwavering conviction that we had was that essentially like if you can make marketplaces more liquid, if you can make uh, the opportunity for people with a service to offer or, or a product to offer, find the people who need their service or product, you can unlock so much human potential. And now as the dust is starting to settle on like like what our Africa chapter meant for us, it felt like it was actually, we had such ferocious, like ferocious conviction in this belief that we quit our day jobs in San Francisco, where we had very bright sort of careers ahead of us. Literally on the surface delusional. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, you're right, right. <laughs> and and we booked one-way tickets to Nairobi to make it happen. Um, it really like went down in flames. And uh, when we picked ourselves back up, we were like, you know, it may be obnoxious, but we still kind of believe this thing. We still like, and, and now we're just pursuing it in a way where our search through the Browning solution space had us realize, oh, our, our edge is that like, we have like a sort of like a, an airport beagle's nose for identifying like a, a designer, right? <laughs> um, a designer that hasn't been like uncovered yet. And um, competent designers are woefully, woefully in short supply. It's really, really hard to find. <laughs> yeah. And so it turned out that ended up being sort of the metabolic pathway that it seems to be working for, for us accomplishing our unshakable mission. You know, so like, yeah, as, as two people who've been through it before, um, I'm sure we'll probably go through it again. Like it's uh, yeah, this is the I hard mean, part. And I think about that. Right. I contemplate failure a lot. Right. Specifically when you're getting into these harder conditions. Right. When the um, as you know, PG calls it like the, um, fatal pinch, right. Kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but then I think about like, what else am I going to do? I think most co-founders are unemployable probably, um, or at least unemployable in a way that both the employer and the co-founder would be happy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the thing is that you see over and over, right? The startup fails, they go work for Google for like maybe 18 months and they get so frustrated, like they're right back at yeah. it. And so I think about it, like, I don't know what else I would do. I really don't. And I'd have to go back uh, at it. Real talk. That has been the defining, defining pillar of solace during the really, really, really hard times. It's like getting to the place where it's like almost like, all right, like really nothing's working. We once, okay, Jeff, to give you a sense of how bleak it once got, we got an email from our accountant being like, you have so little money in the bank that I don't know if you'll be able to pay me. 
<laughs> like, we gotta let you go. Yeah, imagine your accountant being like, hey, uh, what do you want to do about this upcoming month? Because I think the size of my meager invoice might teeter you guys into bankruptcy, right? Um, and and I like pulled up the job board, uh, like looked at like, you know, jobs at like Stripe. I was like, this is probably the company I'd be working at if I if I weren't starting a company yeah. right now. And you know what the craziest thing is, Agree? Yeah. It, it wasn't actually... Um... It wasn't actually us that pulled us out of Africa. It it had to be a global virus. Like it had to be yeah. a pandemic that literally like pulled us out. And it was only until months after, months after, did we finally begin to see like, whoa, this is not working. Like for yourself, how did you find were there were there clues along the way? that something wasn't right did you actively like we act at least i did like i actively ignored them you know hoping that if i stayed a it's like sunk cost fallacy right 101 but were there clues along the way for you yeah i mean a lot of things just not working right like we didn't just try glamping we tried um you know festivals for a little while uh, we, uh, we're going to try Burning Man. That didn't work. Uh, we, you know, we even looked at making juke chassis that were small weed gardens with six weed plants in them that could be dropped off like greenhouses. We tried a toilet, right? Like, and we're trying again. I don't know if it'll work, right? You've got to just kind of keep testing these things, uh, until you figure it out or you die. And what's the what's the conviction behind this latest iteration? Um, you know, going out to Maui because I went out there to kind of look at the situation and then just talking to a lot more folks in this space. Um, a lot of it is that there there has been zero innovation, right? Like they're still using kind of UN tents with mud floors um, that are used once. Um, there's also the fact that, uh, the conditions in these camps are just horrible. And we want to do more of a distributed model by putting jupes in the backyards of like Airbnbs rather than packing them all into camps. Um, and then just the sheer scale of the problem. There was one flood in Pakistan, not that long ago, 33 million people lost their home in one flood. Like that's that's bigger than Texas. Imagine everybody in Texas losing, you know, it's almost as big as California in one flood. And this is climate change related, right? This, this shit is just going to continue to quicken and get worse. And I don't know anybody else working on it, right? In terms of like a, 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 a new housing, you know, shelter solution. So, um... We're going to make a go at it. Think. Do you think that your mission is so humanitarian that it can't be entrepreneurial? Um, how do you, how do you like weigh those two things? Yeah. I mean, and there's been this whole question of like, you know, from my, my aunt, uh, who was like, oh, you're profiteering off of other people's suffering. Right. There is also that kind of angle, which I kind of thought, well, you know, am I? Um, you know, what what we're trying to do is solve the actual problem, 
right? And that problem will factor. For the record, it doesn't sound like it. And, and, and yeah. That, that, yeah, I, I, that, that economics will factor into that, right? And so what I'm trying to do is not only, you know, innovate on the experience, the design, the delivery of these, but also on the business models, right? And um, looking at some creative ways to offset costs or reuse them. So for example, we want to develop a fleet of these jupes, right? And once you have a fleet that is rapidly deployable and redeployable, then you can do very interesting things like, hey, go pay them all off at Coachella. And now you essentially have a shelter you could essentially give away, right? Or you know, this idea of maybe you're a refugee in one country and you've stayed in a jupe and that jupe's designed to go back with you when you go back to your country, right, with your stuff. And so by designing some different sort of things around mobility and how the business model works or when there's a big flood, right, or a tornado or wildfire in the U.S., FEMA scrambles and essentially has to start bribing folks uh, to take the housing stock off of them or not bribing, but wow. paying two, three, five X. You know, what if I could store 10,000 jupes in Kansas for 500 bucks a month, right, to FEMA and then have a 24 hour guarantee that we can get five, 10,000 shelters anywhere in the lower 48, right, without them having to go, you know, Put these together and, and and scrape together housing for folks. So I think there's all kinds of different models that we can design to, right? Because these models have never been designed to. It's just like, let's make a cheap tent, right? Let's make a cheap tent and let's stick it somewhere, put people in it sometimes for years, right? And then uh, get rid of the tent. Well, you know, this obviously the best person to tell but like i mean your experience oh yeah i mean uh that's how i came to america was actually uh we were uh my my family was in like a refugee camp like uh with like uh those un tents for for oh, wow. six weeks yeah 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 um it's it's not like i don't know i i feel like the uh the r word kind of like uh is like uh, an intention magnet so i i don't like draw too much attention to it but like that's part of the origin story right is that like yeah my my family um uh was in uh a camp on the other side of the iran iraq border um so i'm iraqi kurdish and then uh sort of civil war broke out in 96 and uh we had to sort of relocate and yeah, we were we were in tents um, in like a mountain ravine type situation. They they set up a real quick camp there, and um, I went from that form of sort of like I guess you could say humanitarian shelter to like the Guam Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. So uh, shout out Guam, uh, <laughs> shout out U.S. military. Uh, 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 very very grateful for uh, NATO uh, uh, and being able to get out there. And yeah, it was like another another type of uh, shelter. But in that case, it was like more like I guess like uh, military housing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this is a thing that those those tents that you're talking about, like um, in places where they get used as UN tents, uh, they're they are single use. But like I'm sure you know, also right, they've got kind of like that tarp property to right. them. So uh, sometimes they get repurposed or they they live a a second life. They're like reincarnated as like um, uh, 
uh, construction augmentive material that they'll get used maybe to, to create like um, uh, uh, makeshift awnings or, mm. you know, like a shade for like a fruit vendor. And you can see the UNHCR logo on there still, sometimes like maybe stitched over because huh. the tarp is like 20 years old. Right, um, right. Yeah. It just yeah, I mean, I just don't know that anybody has looked at this from like a design thinking perspective, right? And like, what I want to do, I'm going to go to Pakistan, right? I want to go to Morocco. I'm, you know, um, and I mean, there's stuff, right? It, when you go beyond natural disasters, right? What's happening? um in the middle east right now and what's happening uh in ukraine right like this is just i mean the number of displaced people grew um by 30 percent last year now, a lot of that was the you, you know ukrainian war but still imagine yeah yeah you know because wow. we're talking about 100 million people Right, thirty. That is not a number that you want going up thirty percent no. year over year. But you, and you think about like the next, you know, the, this flood in Pakistan. Like as you know, the snow continues to melt off at higher. Like this problem is not getting any better. So um, you know, it may be that we'll find those tents uh, are the best solution in the end too. Right, you've got to like. I, I don't believe that, but, um, you know, they've been around a long time and there are reasons why they use them. Yeah. It almost seems like, it almost seems like, um, rooted in your vision. It, it, it's required. It's a prerequisite to have like, uh, a humanitarian outlook. Yeah. But the only way to execute it is to be an entrepreneur. And if you look at like even something like the closest analogy I have is like USPS. It's both a business and state run, but it's a utility at the end of the day. Yeah, Everyone I mean, I, I do still, you know, I believe that capitalism is the rocket fuel, the jet fuel to like to make change. Uh, For it's sure. still the best thing that we have. Right. There are a lot of things wrong with it. But, you know, to be able to go and raise money in Silicon Valley, you know, to to go after something like this, you're just not going to uh, be able to piece together the the funding that's willing to take risk uh, on innovation in this space. So for sure, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting kind of structures evolving, like what Sam Altman and the OpenAI folks did, right, with capped returns and having a nonprofit, right, that was associated with the four. I don't understand all the mechanics. It's I think it's very complicated. A little confusing. But, um, you know, maybe there are some hybrid models, but I think going about it in just the grant writing the uh, sort of government funding and uh, sort of nonprofit funding, it's just too slow. It's way too exactly. slow. I think the closest thing that, that is your is a double bottom line company, mm -hmm. right? Like Tom Shoes or I think Lush. Maybe but, Warby Parker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like that, not only does that naturally create 
better companies, but it also inspires a lot of other companies. And if yeah, I like I I'd I'd wonder what would happen to our outlook on the earth, on humanity, if all companies were required before they start to become a, a double bottom line company. Like how much more well designed would each company be? How much more considerate would you be towards your customer? Would you even call them a customer or user anymore? Or are you now calling them people that use your product? Yeah, right? absolutely. Just, yeah, very, very interesting <laughs> to think about. So Jeff, close us out here. Do you have anything that you want to leave people with who are listening to this? Maybe it's a designer trying to figure out how they can leave a deeper thumbprint in the world. Maybe it's a founder that's going through through a tough pivot right now. Um, maybe it's someone who you know doesn't doesn't have shelter for uh, all the various reasons that people lose theirs. Maybe it's for your future self. Yeah, I think. What I've learned through this experience is if you're going to pivot, you know, hopefully you can found the company on this in the beginning, but pivot towards your own beliefs mm. and what you believe the world to need and what you want to work on in filling that need. Because, you know, there are near infinite ways you can pivot. Right. And it's always into the fog. Right. But if you know that your own sort of belief and values in a specific problem or ideal are out there in that fog somewhere, it makes it a lot easier to wander into it. Words of wisdom. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on, thanks, this guys. Was great. Uh, yeah, fantastic. You. Really enjoyed it. Hope we get to talk again. Oh, likewise.